Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to Uncut Sports Talk, featuring your host, Rhino, Brian Cashman. I've known for a long time that you have no clue about baseball, and you literally go into a little room that's set up Moneyball style. You got four-eyed Bill in there, reading off algorithms about players' talents, successes, whatever you guys punch into those things, you know, skills. But for Christ's sake, can you move away from the computer one time and let me enlighten you on something? We won 100 fucking games in the regular season last year. 100. We got our tits absolutely blown off in the postseason. And let me enlighten you on something else. Judge Plain! And your co-host, Paz. The NFL is a joke. Um... The players, I feel bad for the players, honestly. Like, there's a lot of guys that probably, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on that New Orleans team that, you know, are, are the 53rd man on that roster. And that extra $75,000 that they would have gotten for going to the Super Bowl, um, you know, in terms of the playoff checks, is probably a huge deal to them. I feel really bad for those guys. Um, I don't really give a shit about the, the, the top guys as much, obviously. But, I mean, like, lives are changed. Careers are changed. Um, you know, even the coaches, too. Same thing. Like, there's a lot of those ancillary coaches that if they get their, you know, their their offensive line to the Super Bowl, maybe they're up for, a, you know, a, a, an offensive coordinator job somewhere or, you know, something like that. It, it, it's, it's just a, a, a snowball that starts at the top of the mountain and just completely continues gathering momentum, gathering growth until it, it hits the bottom guys. And unfortunately, those are the guys that suffer. What's going on, everybody? Just a quick two and a half hours away from Duke starting their national title run straight to the ACC tournament, straight to the national title, hanging up banner, sites number six. Listen on Cut Sports Talk. It's your host, Rhino. I got pause with me. What's going on tonight, brother? Not much, my man. Not much at all. We're just one short week away from, well, it'll probably be a long week, but uh, one week away from the start of the maybe greatest four days in sports, at least the greatest two days in sports, for sure. Yeah, man. I'm all in, man. Kind of tempered my expectations till I knew Zion was just stepping on that court. Now that I know he's stepping on that court, I'm all in. Can't wait. I'm I'm pumped. I'm amped. I'm in my Duke mode watching 10 to 12 hours of video a day of Duke previous Duke seasons videos, 45 minutes, five minutes, six hours. Don't matter. I watch them all. I'm ready to rock. Um, couple programming things. Get the We'll get the garbage out into the trash can uh, quickly. So we're going to do a Sunday show uh, this Sunday, which would be March 17th. What we're going to do is we're going to come on at 5.30 Eastern Standard Time until 7.30-ish. Um, we're going to do a little bit of just, you know, I guess a quick quick review of the conference championship games, who won, kind of our thoughts about what seeding is going to be like, what some of those conference tournaments mattered champion, with the championships games that are either that day or the day before and what we kind of think is going to break down on seeding, who's in and who's out. Then we're going to be live 
during the selection sh- uh, Sunday show uh, the, for the entirety. We'll kind of give our quick instant reaction thoughts, and then we'll be on a half hour, which would be from 7, 7.30-ish, uh, a half hour after giving our analysis of, you know, what we think, instant reaction, some people that should have got in or some teams that should have got in should, should have not, um, some matchups that we see right off the bat that are, that are interesting uh, to us or whatever. So that will take that will be our what would be our usual Monday show will be on Sunday 5:30 to 7:30 selection uh, Sunday show we'll call it March 17th. Then instead of our Thursday show on the 21st, we're gonna come on Wednesday night. I have a real life thing going on on Wednesday, but I'm I'll hope to get us on uh, the same time 8 to 10. And we're going to do a, a, a pause in, in uh, uh, my bracket. Each of us are going to give our individual brackets, uh, both one of the, you know, one of our brackets. The brackets we'll give out here will both be in our uh, March Madness pool. And we're also going to do an uncut sports talk bracket. So uh, mine and pause's bracket together. We'll break that down here. Something a lot of people do, a lot of people enjoy. Uh, we'll kind of go through it together. And uh, hopefully come to a conclusion on some games that we may be 50-50 on or whatever. And that will be on Wednesday, March 20th, the day before March Madness starts. So no Monday, Thursday, as usual. Next week, we're going to do a Sunday, March 17th, and a Wednesday, March 20th. So to get the programming out of the way, that's how we're going to rock next week. Really looking forward to it. And then the week after, we'll have a cool full show, just straight baseball, preview the divisions, who we think is going to the playoffs, MVPs, Cy Youngs, all that good jazz. So a lot of cool programming stuff coming up. We're looking forward to it. If you have any interest, opinion at all about the March Madness or want to chill with us on March Madness Selection Sunday show, please feel free to call in. Please tune in. You could We'll gladly take your analysis for whatever, or um, if your team doesn't get in and you're pissed about it, or they get in, they get a bad seed, or they get in, they get a great seed, call us up. The number is always 657-383-1692. Same thing that goes for tonight. If you want to talk to us, uh, we're a big tri-state area radio show, so talking about Odell Beckham Jr. trade and the Giants trade should spark your interest. Please call in. We want to hear your opinion. Interact. Did I get rid of all the garbage, Paz? All the programming garbage. Cover it. Yeah, that was pretty comprehensive. That was pretty comprehensive. Well done. Uh, I think we hit the uh, nails on the head. All right, awesome. So, this old Dale Beckham Jr. trade. Uh, we'll start off with. This is interesting for me because I'm kind of. Um, I have the ability to kind of sit as an outsider a little bit more in this. I don't really love the NFL all that much, and I while I guess I could say I'm a Giants fan. I wouldn't really put the fan next to my name, what I am for the Giants. I watch the Giants because my wife's family is big, big Giants fan. So I tune in as a member of the family via in-law, you know, not blood, whatever. And I watch because if it's their enjoyment, I don't have another fair team in the NFL. So it doesn't really matter to me, win or lose, whatever. So putting fan next to your name is kind of like you're kind of support and follow them. I don't, I don't really do that with the Giants. I just, I'm more of a family support. So I have the ability to kind of see this as an outside perspective. Instead of Paz will be half in, half out. He'll be on on the outside as a co-host or a host, and he'll be on the inside as a Giants fan. So a little bit different perspective for me. Um. And we'll kind of take a couple of perspectives on this like we do for a lot of things. 
the most the thing that I see the most as an outside perspective listening to a lot of the radio shows is I think that what I'm really starting to see a lot of is how as I get older the difference of generations greatly affects sport. And what I mean by that is like the people that are calling and upset with the Odell Beckham trade, there's a line. And I don't know exactly what age that line is, but that line that 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 age is, people that are over that line would be somewhere around my end. So let's just say maybe 30 or 31, right? I'm 33. So I don't mind the Beckham tree because I can't stand him. And I'll see from a sports psych perspective where he's a locker room cancer that's it's undeniable and that greatly affects a team. And whether that's not admitted or not, you're crazy. Paz also brought up a point about divas. So that's on another, that's the different standpoint. So that's another perspective I go on, but I'm not going to spend a whole entire show doing sports psychology and, and how it affects a locker room, whatever. Um, and the success of divas, which is another thing, but I'm talking strictly from like a generational standpoint. It let's so let's just say it's 30. Under 30, every single person that calls is upset that Odell Beckham got traded to Cleveland. Anybody over 30 spoke about this to my father when I was at my mom's office the other day. He he's so he's like, thank God I don't have to see him anymore. I don't have to listen to his nonsense. I don't have to watch his antics. I don't have to deal with the bullshit. I don't have to listen to him in the locker room talking to down his teammates. I don't have to watch his dances, etc. Right. So it's like there's this generational line where everybody like, let's say, is above 30 who watched the hard nose down your throat, supported your team no matter what. You went out with your team. You went to dinner with your team. You hung out with your team, your teammates, wife and, and children and family and went to Disney with them, and et cetera, are all like, fuck this guy. I'm glad he's out. But everybody under that 30, that, that, that generational gap there, who's like, I love watching these teams celebrate and, and take 11 person pictures in the end zone and watch a guy run a hundred yards screaming and that, they all hate the thing. So it's just it, that as an outside perspective, it's really crazy to see how just kind of the difference in age and how everybody over that kind of old generation style of football hates, hates, hates Beckham and loves that he's gone. Everybody kind of under that who enjoys that stuff really likes that being around. To me, that's kind of just a different ge- a thing in generation. Like Antonio Brown has interviewed the other day and he was like, Oh, like, I just wanted to say, you know, sorry to the kids and I'm going to miss the kids and stuff. And I, I think J- Brown's a complete fucking bullshitter, but that that's on another standpoint. But like, he didn't talk about missing whoever he talked about missing the kids because the kids are who these guys relate to. These guys, you know, love the cool shit they do and the moves. They don't, they don't care about the locker room bullshit and that stuff. So that for me is the biggest impact of this Beckham, uh, Beckham trade to Cleveland. And I'll, we'll get in a little bit perspective about what it means for the Giants and what it means for Cleveland and stuff like that. But just as an overall, I guess, intro to the show um, and an intro to the Odell Beckham Jr. trade, that's the thing I'm noticing the most is about how much a generational gap there is to the love and the hate for Beckham. Boss? Yeah, I'm not really too surprised about that. I mean, a lot of it <clears throat> is – you know, the, it's like it, it is in, in the world nowadays, you know, millennials and, you know, the, the younger generation with, you know, their social media and this and that. And, you know, uh, when you hit that sort of age of, of us, like you and I, we, 
we kind of use social media just to get news and, you know, to promote our show and like things like that. Like we're not on Snapchat every day. We're not on, you know, Instagram posting pictures all the time, stuff like that. So I think it's, it's kind of what it is just in the entire world. It's just the same thing is happening within the NFL and these younger players who are flashy and, you know, have these images and things like that. They're all over Snapchat. They're all over Instagram. They're all over Twitter. And, you know, we're, I I really think that that's really the cause of it. It doesn't have really much to do with, I mean, people might want to call it race. People might want to call it things like that, but I, I totally disagree with that. I think it's just more about that nowadays with social media being such a big thing and these guys being so big on social media, who's going to be following them. It's just going to be the millennials and the 22 year olds and the 18 year olds that spend, you know, six hours a day on Snapchat and spend six hours a day on Instagram, which, you know, you and I, we don't do. And I, from a business perspective, I completely get the trade and I completely agree with the trade. Um, I think they got fair value back from him considering what the Steelers got back for Antonio Brown. So from that standpoint, um, I think the Giants got very good compensation. I understand also the getting back of, of Peppers, who, you know, has shown some flashes. I think he's still can, can grow and, and, you know, become better um, to fill kind of the hole of, of Landon Collins. I know you feel a little differently about him, but I still think he's a, a player that can develop further and, and become an impact safety in the league if he's not already. Um, and also help us on the, on punt returns and kick returns and things like that. So he sort of adds a little bit of a, a, a different facet to the, to the giants. Um, from that standpoint, I mean, the giants have been searching for a, a punt and kick returner for, I feel like 20 years. I feel like every single season that they, a place that, uh, that, that always is a, a, a negative on the, you know, special teams, is always a negative for the Giants, uh, except for, you know, like the kicking and pumping game. But, um, yeah, I mean, and then as a fan, I – so right away, I think it's just like the shock that, that the Giants actually traded him. Like, I had heard the rumors, obviously. Um, you know, I feel like there's always rumors out there about players that, you know, are a little bit maybe of a malcontent in the in the locker room and, oh, they might deal him because of this and deal him because of that, whatever. But – So I I think the first reaction was just shock. And then it's like, wow, what are the giants? What are the giants doing? But then when you kind of look at it and you see that they got back a first, they got back, you know, so that first round pick is number 17. So right in the middle of the, of the, of the first round, they got back a third rounder, which is towards the end of the third round, I think. Um, So, you know, it's really more of a mid first round and a, and a late third round um, picks. Look, I think it's good value back from him. I, as we've spoken about on this show, we went through the list, I don't know what, like a month or two ago, we one of our earlier shows of, you know, the, the diva wide receiver, when was the last one that, that won a, a, a Super Bowl? And we went back 10 years and when we got to Santonio Holmes, and that was the last one that we got to, you know, the, a high-priced wide receiver who was sort of a – you know, had a polarizing personality, let's call it. Um, the last one that, that won a won a Super Bowl, and, and he was it. I mean, 
look, it's it's proven that wide receivers, star wide receivers, don't win you Super Bowls. And from that standpoint, I thought that the Giants should not have paid him last year when it when it happened. And to get back first and third round for him and plus Jabril Prepper, Jabril Preppers, I I think that's I think that's fine. I, and I think the Giants did well there. I really do. Um, I mean, like I said earlier, when you compare it to the to the Antonio Brown deal, we got a better deal. I, look, I understand that he's five years younger than Antonio Brown and talent wise is probably better than Antonio Brown. Um, so yes, he's a better player and a younger player, but I think we still got really good value back for him. And I can't, I can't hate on it as a fan. When I look at some of the ancillary deals that went down with the giants, like signing golden Tate today to a four year deal. Those are the types of deals that I get really angry with because what is Golden Tate going to do for you for the next four seasons when we still have Eli Manning on the team? I, I think paying Eli Manning his $17 million cap hit that's going to come, come in on, I think, tomorrow if he's still on the team, I think is absolutely ridiculous. There is no way that Eli Manning should not be getting cut so that way we don't have to pay him his bonus and don't pay him or have the, the hit towards the cap uh, of, you know, of his contract. Um, so yeah, I, look, I, I think the Giants are ultimately going to draft a quarterback this year, and I think that first, second, first round draft pick is going to be used as a little bit of insurance in case they feel like they have to move up to get Haskins. Um, you know, if they think someone else is going to move up ahead of them, ahead of six, and and grab them, then they'll be able to use that second, first round pick to. Um, you know, to get up into number four, number three, whatever it might be, take the Raiders pick, whatever, you know, if they think they're going to go with them, then maybe. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a good deal. I think ultimately it, it works for what the Giants are trying to do. Um, and I do also feel like Gettleman just is going to completely clean house from the, the Jerry Reese era because the only pick that's left for from the Jerry Reese era is, uh, is Sterling Shepard. So, I think once he's uh, once he's gone, I think his contract's up at the end of the season. I highly doubt that he's resigned, and then uh, you know it's all Gettleman's team and Gettleman's uh, you know ideas. So uh, I guess we'll find out how that ends up working out. But I don't foresee the Giants being very good for the next few seasons. Yeah. So just my my take on your Bill Peppers, and this is something that. I'll be able to bring to the show every now and then, depending on who it is. Um, I had the ability to cover Jabril Peppers for four years uh, in a part-time job I do. He played for, people don't know who New Jersey football, he played for Don Bosco Prep, where a lot of, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know, a lot would be a bad word, a, a good amount of people transfer to from a public school to a private or um, the likes of, you know, if you're in a state where, you're not getting a lot, a little bit of attention or don't get that much of attention. You, typically you go to like IMG Academy or that school in California. I can't think of the name of it that breeds into UCLA and USC. And then a lot of people come he, over here uh, in New Jersey and play for Don Bosco, Bird Catholic. So 
Uh, he was a, one of the rare players who is still very heated in New Jersey, who, who went to Don Bosco Prep as a freshman and a sophomore and then transferred to uh, their rival, Bergen Catholic, Paramus Catholic, and Don Bosco. The three of them are basically a trio of rivals. Uh, every year uh, for parochial schools, it comes down to those three. Typically, uh, they battle off versus each other. Typically, one one's in the semifinals, and then the other one, you know, the other whoever gets excluded out of that semifinal loss, uh, the other two play each other in championship. That's basically what it goes for that parochial conference every single year, year in and year out. So I covered Peppers for four years. Uh, in just my opinion, was he a great player? Yes, but he was on another level, in my opinion, just for steroids. Uh, you could see some things in him that I know off of body language and body composition that aren't, aren't, aren't able to be built naturally, and he had all those facets. Uh, goes to Michigan, kind of does the same thing, and then gets busted for it right before the draft. Though he could deny it till he's blue in the face. I could tell you that four years or eight years before there, he was on it then too. So I will say that uh, the testing in New Jersey is absolute dog shit. Uh, I've had many and many, a plethora of clients, 30 plus, who have gone through an entire four year season without ever having to pee in a cup one time. And those include state champions and NFL and, and Canadian football prospects. So, uh, you know, the testing's nonsense. You could get through by high school and just players that are built by that as their main at- attribute typically uh, find their way out fairly quickly from the NFL, i.e. likes of Brian Cushing. I'm sure everyone's seen that. That photo's gone viral from his uh, high school days to his college days in, in a, a, a quick, swift three-year transfer or three-month transformation to basically like 160 pounds to a 215 pounder which I think we all know is physically impossible to put on 55 pounds of muscle in uh, three months but neither here nor there that's just kind of my thoughts on Peppers Uh, he still gets a lot of flack for that it's pretty messed up move to honestly make that transfer uh, win two state titles and then purposely transfer to the other one that's getting recruits and you see your high school is not getting as much recruits than you transfer back to the other one and uh, make your family, let's put in quotation, legally uh, remove themselves to another house so you're in that uh, guideline to play at Paramus. Kind of comical. And also, clearly we all know what went on for him to get there too. So I just I just think he has a lot of character issues, got his way for his whole life, plus the juice. He's just not for me. And like I said, typically those players field themselves out of the NFL fairly quickly. Um as for the Giants going forward, Paz mentioned a couple things. I, I, I feel like they could do, I guess, three things. You're hearing a lot about the Rosen. Um, I guess getting getting Rosen, who's a first round pick previously for a third round pick, is actually a pretty good deal. Um, you're getting a guy two years cheaper, um, but he has pretty basically the same exact attitude as Beckham. So if you're trying to, you know, like I feel like Pittsburgh, the giants, they're basically one family. I mean, for the most part, they're, they're literally basically one family. They do things the same way. They believe in the same morals and aspects and respect and stuff like that. Um, so if, like they're trying to go down the road where like enough is enough and their tolerance has just been completely been busted by the likes of Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and now Beckham here for the Giants. Um, I feel like bringing Rosen in, wouldn't that just completely contradict what you're trying to rid of? Uh, I, I don't know. But uh, getting somebody that was a first-round pick for a third could be an improvement. 
Uh, the, the second thing you could do is, which a lot of people are taking flack on, and, and Paz mentioned he's not for, you're not going anywhere this year anyway now. Um, Golden Tate signing doesn't make all that much sense, so why not just keep Eli for the last year, let him have his kind of farewell tour, uh, and then wrap it up and call it, you know, whatever. Uh, in my opinion, if you go down that route, you then have the ability to be one of the worst teams in football next year. And you have a quarterback who is going to go down in as top 10 quarterbacks in NFL history, as long as he stays healthy. That's how much I believe in Tua. I don't think Haskins is anywhere near Tua's level, in my opinion. He's not that accurate. Uh, there's some things I don't like about pocket presence, especially from coming from Ohio State quarterbacks who tend, tend to kind of go for the run more than they do sit in the pocket and pass. Uh, they're just not for me, but I just think while Haskins is probably the best quarterback in this draft, I think Tua blows him away by a wide, wide, wide margin. Uh, so, I mean, do you want to give Eli a farewell tour uh, option two and then try and tank for Tua next year? I mean, everybody else is doing things like that. Why not? Uh, and then I guess the third aspect would be if now I hear all of a sudden the Giants are in the the, the running for Kyler Murray um, if you love him so much, then go ahead and trade for him. But if you do that and trade up for him, you really need to tell Eli to take his way or go go to walk his on his way and, and that be that and not give him this bonus. You, you can't you can't either have to play Eli this year knowing it's going down to going nowhere or you have to start a rookie quarterback who you think is going to be your future and just try to get them going and get them a year experience at their hand. Um, or you have to, you know, like I said, go get yourself your Rosen, who you think is going to be your future, and then, again, tell Eli to walk. It either has to be Eli this year or the quarterback of your future. To me, going and getting uh, a Rosen or getting a Haskins and then putting having Eli a starter and them sit on the bench, I think is just a complete waste of time and a, a complete waste of the year. You're not going anywhere anyway. You might, might as well get the year experience. So in my opinion, as from a giant standpoint, that's, I, I think that's what they need to do going forward. I, I really don't understand the golden Tate signing. I saw that like, two minutes before we hopped on here. So I didn't even see the terms of the deal makes no sense. Why are you going to go get, if you know, you're not going in this year, why are you going to go pay a player and get a guy like that? Who also is another slot receiver. So now you're going to tell me that Sterling Shepard who I, look, look, I think he's a nice player, but you're going to make Sterling Shepard your go-to, or are you going to put golden Tate as your go-to receiver? And then, and Sterling Shepard to keep in the slot, and you think you're, that's how you guys are going to rock and roll this year. So they, they need to make a decision. This kind of floating on the fence thing. Okay, we have someone in the future, Rosen. We're gonna we're gonna get him, but we're gonna get bring Eli back too, or we're gonna bring Eli back. We're not gonna worry about the future, or we're we're going at the draft next year. Like there's got to be something. You have to decide on one side or the other. We're gonna build going forward for next or to play for next season, and 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 you know, try to do what we can with the pieces or we're going to tank and then go after somebody else. It can't be this like in the line. Okay. We're going to keep Eli, but we're also going to trade for Rosen, but then Eli's still going to start. And now Rosen's going to go back to the bench and watch Eli for a year. Like I feel like there's just a little bit too much. You're getting like rolled up in a, in a, in a ball of toilet paper. Like you, you just, there's nothing that's breaking through. You're not sure where we're going with this. And, um, so from that aspect, I don't, I don't get it all from the trade aspect of Beckham. Uh, if, I mean, considering what the Giants got, I mean, you would, you would say at that point, the Steelers got absolutely fleeced, right? I mean, a third and fourth for Antonio Brown and Beckham gets a, a one, three and a player. Um, 
I, you would have you would have to say they won if that's the value of these guys. But um, I, you know, from a trade standpoint, uh, what I will say is, uh, how interesting is it going to be to see how these Cleveland guys get along, huh? You have Landry, who's one of the top five divas in football, now pe- paired up with Beckham, who's one of the top five um, uh, divas in football. Maybe top three. You, may, you probably you might even have your top three between Brown and these two uh, on the same exact team. Baker Mayfield, who I love, but loves to kind of like party and do his thing and whatever, which is all well and good. Maybe he's changed his ways now. He's in the NFL, but now you got the three of these dudes together with Njoku, who also likes to have a good time. I mean, good luck in that locker room because you know Landry's uh, put his quarterbacks on the bus a billion times. Beckham's put his bus uh, teammates on the bus a billion times. And the one thing I do find funny that I'll say real quick before I let Paz go because I'm taking up way too much time about this is that I find it funny that everyone's tweeting about how all these players that LSU had and like how, how they had like the most elite team in college football history. Why didn't these guys do anything if they're all together? Like as a GM, when you look at that and be like, man, all these guys are on the same college football team. They couldn't do shit. Yeah. Because they all didn't know, didn't go to class. They all fucking doing their own thing, doing this, doing that. The other thing, if they couldn't be successful in college together on a, on a level where they could be playing against guys like me and pause, what do you think they're all going to do in the NFL together? They're just all there. Every single one of them just going to grow up and change their ways like come on guys like come on yeah that that's how i'd be looking at as a gm like hello like didn't work then against easier not gonna work now but hey to each their own i guess pause yeah i mean i I don't really have much to add um you you hit the i was gonna bring up the point too about the the construction of this roster now with you know uh, if you want to call them outspoken if you want to call them big personalities, whatever, but you have your three main, you know, your main, your, your three main cogs right there with your quarterback and your top two wide receivers as having very big personalities and very, uh, you know, very outspoken uh, ways about them. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how they, how they mesh and, and how they work together and how their, their team kind of flows. I mean, Vegas moved them down to the, the fifth, were the fifth best odds or worst odds, whatever you want to call it, uh, fifth best odds to win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, are they the fifth best team in the league? Um, as far as I know, their defense still kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> you know, their offensive line isn't great. Um, I don't know. I think uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a little crazy. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I, I put something out there where I said I would book anybody's anybody's odds on them to win the Super Bowl, and I would double what Vegas what Vegas has on that. So, if anyone wants to uh, book a few wagers at double what Vegas, what you're getting in Vegas, look me up, and uh, we can do a little bit of business. I like it. Six five seven three three one six nine two. You want to talk about Beckham, the New York Giants, any of your teams, what they have and haven't done. Uh, Please, we'll put you on. Uh, we're gonna we'll rip through a couple of free agents here. So we, you know, kind of the grades. We just talked about the Golden Tate deal. Um, I, four years, thirty-seven million with twenty-three five guarantees. See, like this is the stuff I just don't get, and kind of just said roll up in a toilet paper. Um, days after trading Beckham, you go to <laughs> you're gonna build around Saquon Barkley. You go and get Golden Tate. I mean. I, I just don't understand. Uh, I, I, and isn't Golden, didn't Golden Tate get in a whole bunch of trouble when he was in Seattle too? 
like got in a fight, and I he thought just, he didn't he, he get didn't he, he get he got something didn't he get a ticket for burglary of like a fucking donut store or some shit like that? I'm pretty sure that's that it. I'm pretty know, sure it's he, him. In Seattle, he did a whole bunch does, of shit. So like, you got rid of one diva and brought in just another one. I mean. Huh. Yeah, he does have a a little bit of a you know diva ish personality for sure. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know, man. This, that's that doesn't make all that much oh, sense yeah. at all. You're right, right about he, Golden Tate and the yeah. yeah I, I remember and see, he, it was something because it was something so dumb. It was like a, it was a donut store, right? Like didn't he freaking like yeah. rob a donut store or some shit? Yeah, like how stupid. He was inside a top pop a top pot donut shop in Bellevue, Washington, while the store was not open for business. That's good. So he just received a. A trespass warning, but he entered the store with another person and feasted on donuts, according to this report. That's good. That's good. That's who you want. So you get rid of uh, you get rid of Beckham, who smokes smoking weed on Snapchat, and then you get another guy who's uh, a clearly high, and then in a pot in a high pot store also uh, clearly. I guess I'm I'm guessing from gathering what you're saying, they probably lace donuts of weed. So so you place one guy with the same guy. That's good. So. Um, just you know. far, far uh, less talented. Yeah, uh, Jason Verrett, cornerback. He goes to San Francisco, one year, three point six million. Anything on this? No, I mean uh, he's a you know he's an all right player. Um, I don't know too much about him, but you know just having looked at stats before the the. Um, you know, before the the trade went down or right after the trade went down, then uh, I think, you know, 3.6 million, you can't really go wrong with that. That's basically, you know, bottom level or, you know, a little bit over replacement level type contract. So I'm fine with it. That's, that's all good. Uh, Redskins bringing up, bringing back Adrian Peterson two for eight. Yeah. I think that is actually a really good deal. He kind of rejuvenated his career last year he had a great season. I'm going to pull up his his statistics right now um, from last year. Let's see. I think he ran for over 1,000 yards last year. So, you know, obviously when when running backs hit that, that 30 age mark, they really decline and they usually kind of like hit a wall. Um, and especially someone like Peterson who's gone through knee injuries and, you know, had multiple surgeries and, and things like that, you know, suspensions and, and stuff. So yeah, last year he ran for 1,042 yards, 4.2 a clip, um, seven touchdowns, 20 receptions. Um, yeah. I, I think this is a very good deal for him. Look, he's, he's probably not going to have as effective of a season as he did this year, um, especially with the, sort of who knows what's going on with the the Redskins offense, having gotten rid of a few pieces. Now they're bringing in Keenum, so it's a matter of Alex Smith versus Keenum. Alex Smith going to be ready. So, you know, there's a little bit of uh, of, of issues, let's say, with, uh, with their offense. But, yeah, I mean, two years, $8 million, $4 million a year for this guy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's definitely worth it. And then if, you know, it ends up not working out or he ends up being – it ends up being uh, – you know, not successful this season, then if they have to cut them, whatever, it's a, you know, a $4 million cap hit and, and, you know, you go from there. So really no issue with it at all. I think it's a pretty good signing. 
All right, we got uh, Lou back with us uh, from northern New Jersey on the line. Lou, what do you got for us tonight? Well, it's been quite an interesting week so far, you know, with trades and cuts and whatnot. Some are uh, good moves and some are like moves are like, what the? You know, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you thinking? I know you're a, you're a Jets guy, right? How about Le'Veon Bell to your team? Well, it's a good move, but I'm always I'm always kind of skeptical when a player from another team that did uh, well comes over to our side and all of a sudden it all falls apart because, you know, I get this uh, uh, theory like, you know, what if he gets hurt and then all of it's just, uh, just shot right out the window. I mean, you know, if – if the Jets are going to make a move to anything, it's got to be now. It's got to be with Bell, or otherwise it's just going to it's just going to be another nightmare season. Because you know we definitely need a running back, but we also need someone to help out Darnold. And I'm not too thrilled about getting the third pick because Darnold was the third pick last year, and what did he do for us? He didn't give us squat. So I'm hoping we're not going to get a case of deja vu. I know, I know you're not a big, big Darnold guy. They added Jamison Crowder for him, a little slot receiver. You like that, that uh, addition or no? Well, anything is improving from Darnold, so I'm hoping that you know Crowder is going to is going to get it. And the Jets cut uh, a cut uh, a player today too. Yeah. They uh they got Mo- C.J. Mosley, one of the uh, highly talented defensive uh, linebackers di- right now on free agency market. That was a big ad for them. You like that move? That's not a bad. That's not a terrible move. Yeah. Anything else stand out yeah, to you? But they uh, they they cut they cut uh well I should say released they re- they released uh Crowell. Yeah, they did release Isaiah Crowell today. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, you don't like I mean, that? I wasn't I wasn't crazy about him anyway. He didn't really do he didn't really do much for us. Yeah, the one thing I'd say is I really liked uh, Elijah McGuire last year. I thought he stepped in and had some nice games towards the end of the season, especially. So I thought the addition of uh, the Mosley and uh, Barr would have made it been a little bit of more important to help the defense than the addition of Bell over McGuire. Are you uh, a McGuire guy, the... or you don't like him as that much? No, McGuire's okay, but our defense is a big problem. We need to work on that mm-hmm. most of all. Our offense yeah. came, but our defense was just like crap. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It was. Okay. What else? What else you got for us? Anything else you want to add? Um, and like I was saying, the, the Giants. I think it's going to be a, just a, a nightmare season at MetLife for the Giants. Oh boy. Yeah. What can I tell you? <laughs> it's going to be a tough year for them. All right, Lou, we yeah. appreciate the call. We appreciate having on. If you ever want to call back in, man, we're always welcome to have you on and give us your thoughts. All right, buddy? I'll be back. Oh, by the way, I have a show of my yes. own that I like to Go plug, ahead. if I can. All right, well, yeah. first of all, are you, in the, are, you in, are you in the East Coast? Yes, we are. Good, okay. Then in that case, uh, the show is called the Enhanced Sports Show. It is 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night. Uh, we cover all... Almost everything in the world of sports. The number to call is 712-775-7035. The PIN number, 410-173, and the pound sign. You have to press the pound sign if you want access to get into the show, or else you don't get squat. (laughs) All right, buddy, you got it. Have a great night. I like it. All right, so that's Lou again. Not a Jets fan, not a Darnold fan. Um... 
doesn't like the doesn't like the additions uh, thus far. Wants to improve the defense a little bit more, which I understand. You know, we're gonna get on Bell in a second here. Uh, we might as well just do it now. Um, you know, kind of just uh, like I mentioned to Lou, I thought the addition, uh, I thought the addition of Barr and the addition of Mosley together would have been much more valuable than the addition of Bell. Uh, I do think they got Bell in the cheap. Bell either Bell and or his agent. Well, really both because the agent doesn't get the higher percent that they were hoping for uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, I think both maybe overplayed their hand a little bit. Uh, I don't think he ever makes back that money. Clearly could have made more money if he just re-signed the deal that, or not re-signed, but signed the deal that Pitt offered him. Uh, loses money there on that back end. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Does he ever make that back? I'm not sure. Uh, clear, I heard today a comment that he was uh, taking so long to sign his free agent contract this year and make a decision because he was more worried about his CD coming out, his rap CD. So you got that going for you too. Um, it'll be interesting to see. The one thing I'm definitely interested in this NFL, or you know, that what's going to be upcoming is uh, was Big Ben the diva and strive for power? Was it Antonio Brown? Was it Le'Veon Bell? Is it a combination of Bell and Brown and the tolerance level? It's very weird that a lot of blame is uh, and shade is going to Big Ben, but then uh, the tolerance level by you know the Roonies and Ma- uh, Roonies and Maras are kicking out the guys that are blaming others and putting fingers at others. So that that's definitely an interesting thing to me. Like, is Le'Veon Bell going to bring more drama here? Is Antonio Brown going to be fighting Derek Carr by week one? Um, that is one play, little play or drama I'm interested in just kind of seeing. Um, yeah, but, you know, look, uh, Le'Veon Bell signs cheaper. They probably get him on the cheap. Uh, I do like McGuire a little bit, but um, listen, I'm not going to downplay how good of a player Bell is. He's a top five, top ten player, uh, even with running backs being kind of excluded from this this style of football. He's a, he's a running back to the likes of Elliott and Gurley that take uh, receive a lot of balls out of the backfield and can do a lot with it. Very patient, picks up your, you know, 3.1, 3.4 yards of carry, uh, which, you know, all adds up to better uh, ability to call different things in shorter distance of field. So, um, you know, definitely an improvement. I still say I would like a, I'd like to see Barr and Mosley for the Jets over the likes of Bell, um, but they get Mosley, they get Bell. Um, you know, maybe they add one or two more pieces to that defense because that defense was not good last year. Pause on Bell and any of the other ones I went over. Yeah. Um, so Bell, I love it when guys hold out and then or sit out and then try to hold out for, for a bigger contract than what they were offered and then just get completely shafted with sitting out. I love it when that happens, and that's what happened to Bell here. I mean, the Steelers offered him a five-year, $70 million contract with 30-something million guaranteed within the first two seasons um, of the of the deal, and he turned it down because he wanted more guaranteed money. So – he not only doesn't accept that offer, but then he sits out last season foregoing the the franchise tender, which was like $14.5 million, and then signs for four years and $52 million or whatever it was with the ability for it to get up to $61 million, but still like only 30 something guaranteed. So he 
sat out for more money and ended up losing money, which I absolutely, I love it. It's amazing. And I love when guys are so stupid and their agents are so stupid and things like this happen. So um, I'm really glad that it happened, but in terms of him, the player, um, look, no one, you can't deny that he's a, one of the most talented running backs in the league, still only 26 years old, fairly healthy throughout his, you know, six seasons or whatever it is since he's been in the league, um, you know, except see for a crazy ACL injury a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, I mean, I think he greatly helps out the Jets offense, uh, gives Darnold another another option to, to go to uh, along with Crowder. I think Crowder is a nice signing as well. Um, he's, uh, you know, a, a, a guy that's, you know, will get you the dirty yards. will will get you the possession yards can, can take it down the sideline a little bit too. So I think they're, they end up both being really good, uh, really good signings. And I think the jets did a really good job with, um, you know, with getting Le'Veon at, at such a cheap, at such a cheap price from what he was asking for. So it's only four years. It's only 30-something guaranteed, 33 guaranteed, or 32 guaranteed. Um, so if it doesn't end up working out, you know, he'll only be 30 by the end of that contract. So um, not bad at all. Um, and then as far as Mosley goes, you know, probably the best linebacker that's that was on the market this offseason. So good for him. Uh, good for the Jets. It's a good signing. Their, their linebacking core has been pretty poor the last few seasons. So he'll get in there and sort of solidify, uh, you know, solidify that a little bit and, and hopefully will be able to, um, you know, make that defense a little better and, and help out Adams because he was pretty much the only uh, good defender on the team. So. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, Eagles trade for Deshaun Jackson. It's not much here. It's just kind of a salary dump, really, and he gets to go back to where he wants to go. I mean, the Eagles got Jackson and a seventh rounder and only get a sixth round back. I mean, is what it is. The Eagles restructured his deal, too, so the cap his hit wasn't as much. But uh, this is a guy we talked about Monday who basically did five farewells to the Tampa Bay before even getting treated. Uh, Quan Alexander signs with San Francisco 49ers four year, 54 million with 27 million guaranteed. Um, it's really a one year contract with a whole bunch of options and opt outs. Um, the Niners still have to pay Alexander 14.5 million for 2019, which is really a lot considering that the, the franchise tag for linebackers was like only a million more. And that's basically like the likes of if you franchise tag like JJ Watt and uh, what's his name from uh, and Clowney and stuff. And uh, I can't think of the names uh, Von Miller. So, I mean, you're basically paying that guy who's a linebacker, the, the equal value. If you franchise tag the likes of Watt and Von Miller and Clowney, that's pretty, that's a pretty bad deal. I mean, Alexander's a nice linebacker, but considering that well broken down, that's that's pretty bad. Pause on those two. Anything? I actually I like Quan Alexander as a player. I just have an issue with him staying healthy. Um, I feel like he's he tore his ACL last season. He was injured the season before. I think it might have been I forget. It might have been a shoulder. I think two seasons ago. So you know he's a nice player, but I, I don't know if I would have paid that much money for him but I'm sure 
you know, if the 49ers didn't pay it, someone was going to pay it. So um, good for him getting a deal and, you know, especially coming off the ACL in, you know, week eight or nine, whenever it happened. Um, so I don't even know if he'll be ready for training camp. I assume he will be. But, um, yeah, uh, look, he's a, he's a nice player. I just think it's, it's overpaid for, him, for a guy like him. And then the Deshaun Jackson thing, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I don't even know if he's going to play that much, to be completely honest with you. Um, I think it just all comes down to, I think they're talking about the Eagles. I think they're talking about cutting Aguilar. So maybe I guess he just kind of fills the Aguilar role. But, I mean, Aguilar didn't have really much of a role anyway. So, um, yeah, whatever. Um, I mean, the one thing that, that this does say is, what type of team are the Buccaneers going to be um, next, oh, next season? God, I mean, you want to talk awful. about the team? You want to talk about the team that's tanking to get Tua? Um, I think that yeah. might, they might be it. You know, um, <clears> yeah. with, this sure is the one thing on. I always say. And we kind of spoke about Monday. I, I hate that. I hate that Winston. Look again. I'm not saying Winston is a top three quarterback in the NFL, but I hate when he gets so much slack when like you find a finally find a nice slot receiver in Humphreys trade them every time they get a player they trade him or cut him so now every year it's literally just him to to uh, uh winston to evans that's it winston evans winston evans they find a tight end they like trade him away they have the tight end this year i can't think of his name he's out for the year so they might not make uh, oj howard so it might not make even make training camp might not even make the start of the season so now again it's winston to evans they double cover evans just like they did to andy dalton for this whole entire time another guy who just takes a ton of slack finally he gets lost this year they're on fire. They're lighting it up. They up two upsets on uh, one upset on Sunday night football. One upset on Monday night football. He gets great. AJ Green gets out. They go down straight down the tubes, and then he gets hurt too. It's like I hate these guys that get slack when they have one dude to throw to. And if you're an NFL football defense, like it's not hard to figure out how to double team, and then you have nobody else to go to. Like his running back is Peyton Barber. He has one person to throw to, and it's Mike Evans. And they're clearly going to double team him. But it's a joke, but I'm with you. I get what you're saying. I just wanted to bring that up again. Like it's just ridiculous. Every year it's just one dude, and they blame him. And I'm not saying, look, he's he's a he's a bad character, off the field guy with a lot of dumb shit, stealing up an Uber driver and stealing crab legs from a fucking Wegmans or Kroger or Shoprite, whatever it is in Florida. Actually, I I should know the name of what it is in Florida, but neither here nor there. I'm not. I'm not saying he's a good guy, but like another guy just gets the shit end of his stick when he has one dude. Um, Niners signed Tevin Coleman. Nice signing. Tevin Coleman has continuously every year. I feel like feels in for Freeman for a couple couple games because Freeman's always banged up. Did a good job this year also. Uh, that's a nice piece. I mean, I feel like last year San Francisco was kind of just in a rotation like merry-go-round, whether it's Barita or McKinnon. Uh, they had that other dude that would come in at the goal line. I forget. He stole a bunch of shit from me, but um, touchdowns and Fanduel. But it's like every year, it's you know they have a merry-go-round. So maybe this is nice piece. Maybe it's their go-to with Burita. Keeps Burita healthy or Burita, however you say it, a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Not bad. I, I, that's a good move, I guess. Pass on the, anything on that too. Yeah, I like the Tevin Coleman deal. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do there uh, with, you know, they signed McKinnon to the big deal the year before, then he tears his ACL at the beginning of the season. Uh, Might have even been in training camp or preseason. But, um, 
And then they have Burrito, who sort of like breaks out a little bit. And so, you know, I guess they're going to, if they carry three running backs, I mean, I know we'll, we'll end up speaking about fantasy football later on in the, the summertime and stuff, but I don't know how that'll end up shaking out from a, you know, from a fantasy perspective. I don't know if any of those guys are even like roster. I mean, they're rosterable, but are they startable? Probably not because I would assume they're probably going to split the carries three ways or, you know, at the very least it's a 50, 50 split between two guys. And then, you know, someone's the third round, the third down guy, whatever it is. But um, yeah, I think that's a good deal. Uh, Tevin Coleman's a nice player. Um, And yeah, good, good deal there. Uh, The other deal I, it's, Sort of, I don't know. Um, I don't really have much to say. We, yeah. Uh, Jeter just busted through, trying to give me like an hour warning to Duke. You know, she 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 tunes in, likes to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Terrell Williams, Oakland. Uh, I guess would be the slot receiver counterpart to Antonio Brown now. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know what to make with this. I don't think Rivers is that great. Every single game, it was either Mike Williams or Terrell Williams or it's Keenan Allen. You don't know which one of the three is it going to be. Um, I mean, I don't know. Is is Terrell Williams worth four years, $44 million? Like, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, people are saying this is a good this is a good signing. I kind of shocked that he's worth $44 million. But, I mean, that's just me. Pause anything on Terrell Williams? $44 million? Yeah, I think – I think yeah, I think it's a lot of money, but I think they're trying to set up basically what the um, what the Steelers had with Antonio Brown, and then having like a speedy type guy on the other side with you know like with Mike Wallace when he was there, and then with Juju and, and gotcha. you know, people like okay. that. So I think I think that's what they're trying to sell a little bit things like that. So all right, a couple corners: Steven Nelson to Pittsburgh, three years, twenty-five-five. Pierre Desiree to the Colts, three years, 25, 12 guaranteed. Um, Henry Anderson signs with the Jets, three years, 25-2. Uh, he was on their team last year, stretched a good play. Anything on those three at uh, kind of meaningless to me? Positive. Yeah, this is really kind of your segment. Okay. Cameron Wake goes to Tennessee, three years, $23 million. My client pancaked him on video. Still have the video saved. Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that, but I have the video saved to that. Uh, he's he's yeah, on his way out of his prime. Earl Thomas to Baltimore, four years, $55 million. This is interesting to me. Paz and I were talking one night about it. I mean, this is a guy who cannot stay healthy over the last three years. I, I, we you know talked about the aging thing with Brett Gardner. Uh, just because this is football, not baseball, no different here. Uh, you get older and it's tougher to stay, you know, healthy. And uh, this guy has not been healthy for three years. I believe it was like a, a 11 games, 10 games, and six, and that includes some playoff games. So hasn't clearly played more than you know, total games. You take out the playoffs, hasn't really played more than nine total games in the last three years. So um, that's a lot of money. Uh a lot of years for a guy, 32 million guaranteed too. That's a lot of money, a lot of years for a guy who can't stay healthy. I guess he replaces Weddle. I have to see what is, what did Weddle get paused? Do you know by any chance off the top of your head or can you look it up? Yeah, I'll look it up really quick. Hang on. 
I mean, you would think they would just – why would you not pay a guy there who knows your defense has been extremely successful in it for a long period of time overpaying Earl Thomas, who is of equal talent but has to learn a new system and can't stay healthy that much money? I can't imagine what well also got, got – got, You got two years, $10.5 million. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's a little crazy to me. That seems like a really bad move. You're paying – uh, like I said, 55-something freaking million for, for Earl Thomas, and then you have a guy who knows your defense has been extreme. So, yeah, 55 million for four years uh, compared to a guy who's getting five, what you say, 10.5, so 5.25 million instead who knows your defense has been successful, and I understand age, but at least he's playing all 17 games. Interesting deal to well, make pause a, on that one. And, yeah, well, so we could also throw in Mark Ingram there, same team. Um yeah. Baltimore desperately need a running back, so I, um, I'm cool with this. But go, so go ahead, take the Ravens from the Ravens standpoint. Yeah, so the Ravens were paying him a little bit more. He was on a three-year, twenty million dollar deal with the Ravens. So okay. I mean, they were only paying him a shade more than what he got. So basically, an extra million dollars than what he's making currently with his new deal. Um, okay. Yeah, he was making basically six point five. So yeah, so he was gonna make yeah, so he was only gonna make he was gonna make six point five million dollars this season in the last year of of his contract with the with the Ravens. And they terminated that deal in order to give Earl Thomas this monster deal. I don't know, man. I mean, like you said, we spoke about this and he just he's just not been healthy the last few seasons and uh I mean Weddle is one of these guys that's, you know, he plays every game. He's a really good player. Um, you know, he, this past season, he played 98.2% of their their snaps on defense. The year before, he played 99.1% of their snaps on defense. The year before that, he played 98.5% of their snaps on defense. So this guy, the only year that he's, the only year that he's played less than 97.4% of snaps on defense was in 2015 when he missed three games due to injury. Otherwise, every single season prior to that, uh, you know, every other season in his career, he's played greater than or 97.4 or greater percent of the snaps in, in of a season on defense. So, I mean, to, to, to remove a guy like Weddle, to bring in a guy like a durable guy like Weddle, to bring in a guy like Earl Thomas, who's brittle, and you know now I think it, or I think he's what like 28 now, maybe something like that. So yes, he's a couple years younger than than Eric Weddle, but I mean you're gonna have him for you're gonna have him for half the season. I, I think when you sign him, you know that he's only gonna be there for half the season. That's all you can hope for him being there for. And I, I don't know, there's no possible way I would have signed uh, Earl Thomas to a deal like that. No possible way. Yeah, any thoughts on Ingram? My only my only downfall to the Ingram thing is that he's he's basically a rotational back. I mean, he was not successful as a main back. Uh, Collins got into uh, it was either domestic violence or uh, he hit somebody and possible uh, uh, vehicular, however they say it, uh, manslaughter, uh, something like that. I know he's he's in some pretty serious shit for. So I mean, unless they're gonna make, you know. Maybe they go back to um, Edwards as the main back and then use Ingram as the uh, rotational. I mean, not so bad at five, six million, but I see here that he has options that 
these analysts are saying are pretty obtainable, which would take it all the way up to $10 million guaranteed. That, that seems to be getting a little crazy in my opinion. Uh, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think, I think it's a, a decent deal for a, a guy that's, you know, a solid sort of second rung player, but with the, with the apparent, let's just call it, let's just assume that he's not going to play this season, Alex Collins. I, I don't know how well, much they, 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 are, they, already on... cut, they already cut him. So he's, he's done. Oh, he did get cut. Okay. Yeah. Um, for whatever, right, whatever yeah, so, I mean, it was, he, he, they just, they just said, see you later. Yeah. So I guess it's going to be like a, one of those 50, 50 splits with, with Ingram and, uh, What's his name? Gus Edwards. I would think that there's a possibility that maybe they draft somebody later in the, uh, you know, later in the in the draft and just kind of kind of groom somebody and you know. Do you, he, can you honestly see him going out as like a, a like in the option offense? Like you know what I mean, dude. Like he run, they basically run it. Mark uh, no. not a, they, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that's like a weird, like he's in the between the tackles kind of turn around, pound it down your throat type of thing. And then you bring in like the Camaro, the option guy. Like, I just think that's a weird, I just, I think that's a weird mold, you know? Yes, I agree. I agree. You know, like just a weird, I, I don't know. Like if they went out and got someone like, like you said, like Jeremy uh, McKinnon before he tore his ACL, like that's a guy you could see like coming out of there as an option. You know what I mean? But like, they don't, they don't, they don't, they run, basically run out of the pistol. They basically run a, a double option spread out of the pistol. Like, no, you know what I yeah, mean? I, I don't know. Just yeah. seems a weird, I'm I don't actually, know. It just seems like a weird mix to me. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that they weren't more involved with Tevin Coleman, to be completely honest. I thought Tevin Coleman would be a, a much better fit in that offense than Mark Ingram. Yeah, that's a good point. He could come out of there. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I, I, don't, I just think that's a weird, a weird mold there. Um, and I don't know. I think both their moves are weird. Like I said, I don't know why you pay that much for a guy who hasn't been healthy in three years. Yes, I understand age. And then you go get a guy who really has not been successful outside of a rotational back and has not been successful in a, in a basically a pistol spread, uh, whether you want to call it. It's not a triple option. It's definitely not even close to a true triple option. But uh, at, at the least, it's a, it's a, a spread option. And he's not that type of runner. He's a between the tackle, pound it down, down your throat type of guy and definitely needs spells uh, at this point in time. Uh, all right, let me go. Let's see. What are some other big ones that we kind of missed here? Uh, Tashawn Gibson, safety, goes to Houston, three years, 22-5, 11-3 guaranteed. Kansas City. Oh, this is a, this is a pretty big one to mention. Uh, Kansas City trades uh, D4 to the Niners. Uh, Chiefs get plus for the Niners and a D plus for the Chiefs. I'd probably agree with this, honestly. He was getting a lot, a lot of rap after the playoff loss to the Pats. I mean, I don't know how you blame that all on him, but uh, interesting there. What are your thoughts on that one? 49ers are just beefing up, huh? I mean, their defense is already good. Yeah, I feel like they're gonna they're really going for it now. Um, I don't know what they'll try to add with the sixth round uh sorry the sixth round the the third overall pick the second overall pick um and i'll pull it up and just see where they where they ended up um but yeah it really seems like they're they're going for it they're trying to get garoppolo some options there and 
you know, really give him an, an offense to work with that, that'll be conducive to, to, um, you know, to that. And yeah, I, I mean, they have the second round pick this year or the second, they have the second overall pick. I think that they could even go defense there too. They could end up, if the Cardinals go with, if the Cardinals go with, uh, uh, Murray, they could absolutely draft Bo- Nick Bosa and and put him on the end of that line as well. And their defense could be one of the good better point. one of the better ones in the league. Um, That's a good point. I, yeah, I didn't think I, about I kinda, that because their defense was already pretty good. Yeah, you know, and you know, Grapple yeah, obviously Grapple going down is a huge you know huge deal, but uh, their defense is already pretty solid. I mean, they took a lot of people down the wire, you know. So, I mean, yeah, adding I these two pieces be... plus Coleman, and then if they get something like that, Bosa, that's a pretty elite D. That's, that's a top three, top five uh, D in the league, man. Yeah, they could absolutely contend for a wild card next year. I mean, ultimately you have to kind of assume that the Rams are, are probably going to win that division, especially with uh, with their roster construction and, you know, Goff just getting better. And, uh, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll see about Gurley. But, um, yeah, I mean, you have to just kind of assume that the Rams will win the division. But, I don't see any reason why the Niners with the easier schedule this year, now that they finished third in the division and getting Garoppolo back, there's no reason why they can't win 10 games and make the playoffs. No reason at all. Yeah, for sure. All right. We got a frequent flyer. We like to call him Nas from Atlanta back on the line. Nas, it's been a couple of weeks, buddy. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. How you guys doing? Good, dude. Always good to hear from you. What do you got for us tonight? Same, same. Well, well, I guess uh, you guys were talking about Latavius Murray uh, in New Orleans. Yeah. Well, we are yeah. uh, we are talking about Ingram going to Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Ingram we Baltimore thing makes sense. I mean, they got to find effective runners. So you know, I don't think that's a bad signing. And Latavius, I mean, he's kind of like you know, like the work car. So the the when they go into the eye and they want those tough yards or whatever. The less damage you put on Camara, the better. That's how they're looking at it. So they need a body to take those hits, and Latavius is it for this year. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. I I, I don't know about the Rams though, man. I, I think they're gonna have some serious problems with that uh, O line. Uh, Me too. When you lose O line members like they did, and like I said, we don't know the status of Gurley. They claimed he wasn't hurt last year, but I think all of us who saw it could yeah. tell that wasn't the same guy for the regular season. And if you don't have you know, dynamic stuff and perfect protection around golf. I don't know how good golf actually is. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah. the training wheels uh, coming in the headset as far as him being told where to throw the ball, where the reads are and everything else. And, you know, if Cooper Cup is not there as a safety blanket, I I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of down on the Rams at this point. I think Seattle is actually the, the team to be aware of in that division. Uh I think they'll throw the ball a little more next year. I'm guessing, but uh, that young defense and what they put the, put there on offense, I, I think they they're going to be the ones to kind of be fearful of. But uh, yeah, some of these signings are crazy. I think in two years we'll see a lot of these guys cut, and we'll see a lot of ownership <laughs> crying broke. I mean, I, I expect yeah. that to happen. Uh, the this Air- has Air- been Air- one of the craziest free agents at, uh, signing periods I've seen in a long time. I mean, just I feel like listen, I know if you're dumb enough to go in and spend a lot of money as an instant buyer. That's on you. But I feel like this has been the most of people going all in the day of in a long, long time. And it's just, 
mass money everywhere, a lot of guaranteed money, which I understand the players and the players you didn't want to kind of get together, but um, it's just everywhere and it's almost hard to compile, you know? Um, you have yeah. any thoughts in the be- any thoughts in the Beckham? What what type of fan are Nas? Are you a Saints guy coming from Atlanta? Or are you a Falcons no, no, guy? No. What a- no, more Falcons. <laughs> more Falcons guy. All right. Yeah. Any any thoughts yeah, yeah. on the Beckham deal? Any opinion on that? Uh, the Giant. I think Evan Silva's kind of detailed this well, man. Uh, they decided that they were going to make everything about Eli, and you got the old football guy, so called, in Gettleman there, and he's running that franchise into the ground. So the Mara name that became famous for, you know, the, the football minds of, of the past, uh, this son didn't necessarily inherit that. So he appears to be listening to people he shouldn't be listening to. So here we are where <laughs> you've got Eli coming back. Uh, you didn't get in the, in the uh, you know, sweepstakes for any of these quarterbacks where you could have got a bridge guy, cut Eli, and then drafted somebody really highly uh, instead. They did this, which is really, really weird. When you go into the draft, you're trying to find potential Hall of Famers. So when you get one, despite them being a headache or despite them being a problem, you keep them on the roster at least until they're out of their prime. So I don't think you trade guys like Odell Beckham. I think you hire coaches with the juice and the bravado to stand up to players like that and just keep situation as normal as possible. Somehow Parcells was able to keep LT uh, on the plane and at the games on Sunday, and, and to me, that that like that's what it's supposed to be about. Yeah, yeah. But if your that's building true. is so that's weak true. that you got to run off talent, like I think that's a failure. I, I think the Giants are going completely the wrong way. LT was doing a lot more than Beckham was too. I mean, uh, uh, constant cocaine four or five times a day is a little bit different than smoking a blunt or two. That's for sure. Uh, that's hey, that's a good point. That's funny, man. That's a good point. Yeah, because hey, I mean, I'm what, just saying, like, we're, we're trying to draft talent, right? Like, this makes no sense. You get rid of him, and then you bring in old man Golden Tate. Like, what are you doing? Are you yeah, you're on the same page team? as us. Yeah, we expect the same – we had the same sentiments, man. It, you got to pick they, – they're on – they're this – like I was saying earlier, they're like a bowl of a toilet paper all rolled up. They're on this side. They're on that side of toilet paper. They're wet. They're dry. They, they don't know what they're doing. They got to pick one side of the fence or the other, and they just keep – you know, you get rid of Beckham, fine. Then you bring in Golden Tate. It makes no sense. Are you done this year? Are you not? I mean, hey, I guess they still have, what, three hours and 50 minutes to uh, cut Eli, even though we all know that's not happening. But uh, anyway – Go ahead, Paz. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, Nas, yeah, exactly what what we were thinking with the, like, you don't you don't obviously want to trade talent like uh, Odell Beckham, but if you're going to do it and you decide, all right, we're just going to kind of clean house and go for it, why are you, you know, why are you signing a guy like Golden Tate to a, a four-year contract where you know that he's not nearly the talent that Odell Beckham is and, you know, he's still going to be making – nine million dollars a year or whatever on you know for to play with Eli Manning who you know let's face it also shouldn't be on the roster at this point but uh yeah uh, all around you're sort of on the same page as us but what do you think about the uh the Le'Veon Bell signing how how do you feel about that oh that's a good signing man uh the thing about Le'Veon Bell was if he was just a runner of course this would be a bad signing but his ability to catch the ball uh is gonna really really help Darnold as far as not only his completion percentage and, the, you know, to kind of ease things in if things get rough, uh, but just also, man, there's too, much, there's too much putting everything on a young quarterback and then expecting them to succeed. 
you've got to make things easier, and a guy like Le'Veon does that. So, to me, it's a good signing. I think no matter what, you're at least going to speed up the process for Darnold. And, and look, man, I, I know a lot of people don't like what Le'Veon did last year, but uh, how about you get somebody who didn't get the extra 300 carries? You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he didn't get that 300 carries last year. To me, that makes it an even better deal. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for bringing, uh, bringing in Le'Veon. You bring in Le'Veon and you cut, uh, you know, the, the, I ain't even going to say his name, down here in Georgia. Where well, well, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's definitely, uh, it's definitely right about the fact that he didn't, you know, he didn't play last year, so he's coming off a, you know, a non-carry season plus, I think they kind of got him on the cheap. I really do. I think for what he was looking for and what they were kind of expecting him to get, I think the Jets got a, they got a really cap friendly and, and really team friendly deal for him. I, I really do. So I think this was a, I think this was a good win for the Jets. Um, like I said, I think it was a, a loss for Le'Veon because of what he sat out and what he, what he, uh, you know, turned down from the Steelers. But as far as the Jets go, I mean, he's still going to be a really effective player. Um, obviously, you know, helps out Darnold uh, tremendously with his pass-catching ability. Um, I think he's a, he's a pretty good blocker, too, so he kind of does everything. Um, yeah, and the contract's a really good one for the Jets, so I, I like it as well. Yeah, man, because we can't expect these guys to carry franchises by themselves and then blame them when they fail. So, no, this is, this is, I think that was the right move, and, and going forward, I think we'll see Darnold develop in the way that he should. Now, Think about what Saquon Barkley has to deal with now. Now you have to deal with an old, erratic quarterback whose ball placement is suspect, who sees ghosts in the in the pocket, and you're just going to do what? Just run Saquon into the ground over the terms of his rookie deal, and then tell us about how we should how you shouldn't resign him? Well, if that's the case, you should have taken a quarterback last. So. This just makes no sense. And when you have Odell on the outside and then Saquon out of the backfield, it makes it easy to play quarterback. And if a guy can't succeed in that situation, maybe it's time to tell him he needs to go. Like, this is an abusive relationship with them and the Manning family, man. And they need to put a stop to it, man. I don't care if Archie calls or Peyton calls. Like, they need to put him out of the building and take his key card. Yep, that's that's what I mentioned earlier. That's what it's all about. It, it's unfortunately the 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 correlation between the Maras and the Roonies and the whole family setup. And you know they get to a tolerance level, but don't take what needs to uh, be taken. There's no doubt about it. Uh, for us, we're more northern tri-state or northern east coast than you. I saw you got one of our guards, Jerron Brown. Good luck with that. Anything from the Atlanta front that we should know about, our listeners should know about, that are more north than you are. Any expectations, downfalls, disappointments, uh, happiness from you in regards to what they've done this month or anything? Uh, Well, they've been pretty quiet, which is probably the move. Uh, It's all about the recovery of all the players that were lost last year. Uh, We had both safeties and two linebackers miss the majority of the season. And I don't care who you are. Even if you're built to score 30 points a game, you're not going to be very successful with that. So as long as those guys yeah. come back and, you know, Julio's upright, they'll, they'll be all right. I, I, I like what the Falcons are doing right now. I'm not, not, not too upset yet. But Tevin Coleman, yeah, you had to let Tevin walk because you played, you already paid for him. I mean, Freeman. So, I mean, Tevin had to go, uh, him and his iffy hamstrings. So, you know, it, it is what it is. But 
the, the Pittsburgh thing kind of sticks out to me too because Ben has kind of regressed the last few years too. But when you have to pick between the quarterback and the wide receiver, you pick the quarterback every time. So you got to run Antonio out of there. But I, I don't know how successful Ben is going to be next year because he has really slipped too, man. But, you know, he's the biggest guy in that building. So what, what do you do to him? What do you say to him? You know what I mean? I don't know. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that division's for the taking now. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, Roethlisberger is basically, uh, I guess Juju Smith-Schuster is probably better than Sterling Shepard. Well, we'll see. Now they both have to be primaries. Uh, who knows? Uh, Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard over Odell Beckham. I mean, good luck with that. All right. Uh, Nas, appreciate the call. We got to uh, transition right. to a little bit of college basketball here, man. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Give us a call whenever, man. And uh, we thank you for calling in, bud. All right, man. Have a good night. All right, buddy. You too. We'll talk to you soon. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Cut Sports Talk feature. Rhino and Friends getting a little bit of the college basketball conference tournaments in here. And uh, if there's any, you know, potential weekend games we're looking into and, and wins and losses thus far that have impacted seeding, such as the likes of Indiana Hoosiers, Duke starting an undefeated run from tonight to the national title is merely an hour away. Quick break. Uncut Sports Talk featuring Rhino and Friends. Oh, this kid. 
It's on its way if they win it to MOP. Unused by the little guy. And the Blue Devils are the national champions of 2015. Dreams come true, man, and, and, and hard work pays off. But most of all, I want to thank my team. All right, back on Uncut Sports Talk featuring Rhino and Fred. 2015, about to re- do that, get number six here. 2019 coming up in about three weeks. Starting that run in about hour 10, I'd say, probably. Um, we're going to go over some college basketball conference tournaments thoughts thus far. Some meaningful games that may come on the weekend. People have kind of played themselves out, played themselves in. Uh, all that good jazz. While I know everyone loves NFL, this is kind of my favorite segment. So, sorry, but I'm not sorry. Monday. Uh, let's see. Actually, you know what? It'd be better to pull it up. So, Wolford wins. Uh, was that? Let's see. Yeah, let me just pull it up real quick. I'm sorry. I hate to uh, delay people. Am I skipping pause? I'm still good, right? Yeah, you're good. Okay, cool. I I, I went straight land today, so hopefully that, that's been helpful. Seems like it has been, so we'll say. All right, Monday. Um Wolford beat UNC Greensboro in their final. Um, that I mean, they were getting in already, I would think, as in that large bid. But, yeah, obviously that uh, seals them in regardless. Right now, I'm just going to go off Lenardi since it's just easier to use on the same site. Lenardi has them as a seven in the West against Seton Hall. Um uh, Paz and I both kind of looked at Wolford the other night when we were on the show. Uh, haven't really done anything at all against teams that have had any success. Uh, any, any teams that had sex this year. Any teams that have had any success this year have been ranked. Uh, they really haven't done anything against. Uh, I got. I played him that one day because the mismatch was so bad, and I wish I – I know Paz got to watch him a little bit on Monday. I didn't. I wish I got to watch him again or a little bit more or kind of not like I you know, knew they were going to be here or at least I knew they were going to be a little bit this successful so I could have watched them kind of along the – you know along the season against the matchups where they did lose against ranked teams. I'm sure I could probably go somewhere and find it, but uh, this this may be, a, you know, if, if they're as good as advertised or as they're being ranked, uh, could be a sleeper team for some people, especially at a seven seed. I mean, uh, to be ranked 20th, exactly. They're 20th right now in the country, probably move up to 16 ish. I would say after some of the losses that we'll, we'll touch on or are about to uh, happen. Uh, could shake some things up in the tournament, especially the seven. Pause. Anything on Wolford? 
Yeah, I, I wasn't all that thrilled with them, the way that they played. Um, but it's tough to just base it off of the one game, especially it being a championship game. I feel like it's probably because all the, all the sex more, they had. Well, yeah, that too. I mean, for sure. <laughs> But uh, only only your yeah, host Rhino I, I, makes those mistakes, my friends. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm not sure what what I want to do with them yet. I'll see who they ultimately end up getting paired up against and what line they fall on. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, they're a good team. They're they're a solid mid major team. I just don't know what that what that means in terms of them going forward in in the tournament. But um, they looked a little a little erratic on Monday night. Uh, you know, we're kind of jacking up some shots that maybe they shouldn't have, or, you know, maybe some nerves played into it, but um, yeah, we'll see where they end up. All right. Uh, big one Tuesday. Uh, we'll just straight up open it up. Uh, St. Mary's beats Gonzaga by 13. I watched, I want to say there was about, Five minutes left in the first half all the way, and I watched the entire second half. Um, like, this is the, I say the same thing about uh, Gonzaga every year and every week. They play nobody all year. Uh, they get a free ride of health into the tournament, which you could say it doesn't factor in or not. Go look at the New England Patriots. They get a free ride. They get an automatic buy once a year. It's one less game they have to win, one less, you know, there's a monster difference. And if you don't think there is in playing a seven seed as a two seed in the likes of, I don't know, uh, Cincinnati or Iowa state or Nevada, someone like that, instead of having to play a uh, UCF or a Utah state or a, I don't even know. I, I can't think of someone, maybe a Washington. You're going to tell me it's not easier to play a Washington Washington in the second round this year than it is to play a, a Iowa State or a, a Louisville or Wofford or a Villanova. Villanova's right around the 6-7 line last time I checked. you're gonna. It's not easier to play that, you know. So uh, they get that cakewalk every year. They bounce this. It, one thing that's funny to me is that all these experts that said St. Mary's Dimple on tournaments are the same ones that yesterday were saying that they're going to go to the Final Four. So laugh that up. Listen, Gonzaga is, as I've mentioned, in my opinion, one of the most talented teams in the country. I don't think anybody is in could put Duke's boxers on when they're completely healthy. Uh, they haven't lost a game this entire season yet healthy. Uh, Reddish had diarrhea against Gonzaga. And they were out with Trey Jones without a few of them, Zion without a few of them, fully healthy. Nobody can put Duke's boxers on, but Gonzaga has the talent to win a national title. With that being said, now everyone says they shouldn't move from the one seed, and I actually didn't either, but that I was kind of going in and the fact that St. Mary's would whatever. Uh, this is a team that's ranked 118 in strength of schedule. Um, you're going to tell me that that Michigan State doesn't deserve a one seed over them playing in a the hardest conference in all of basketball. If they end up winning this conference tournament, Michigan State doesn't uh, deserve a, a one seed over them. Uh, North Carolina playing in the ACC. Where's North Carolina's strength of schedule? North Carolina has the eighth hardest schedule in all the NCAA. Does North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia not deserve a number one seed over Lakes Gonzaga? North Carolina, five losses. Duke, no losses. Uh, healthy, five losses without health. Or 
zero losses healthy, five losses unhealthy. North Carolina, five losses also. Uh, Michigan State, six losses in the hardest conference in all of basketball. Uh, who else is, like, right around there? Uh, you know, uh, all those three teams deserve a number one seed over Gonzaga. They will never move Gonzaga. They'll get one, but they just don't deserve one. I'm sorry. They just, they just don't. If you, you going, if they, if you put them in the big 10, if you put them in the ACC, there is no shot in a million years, they would have 30 wins. There's no shot. These ACT teams and the big 10 and ACC is down this year. I'm the first to admit it. The Big Ten is jacked up this year. If you threw them in the Big Ten, they would not. They would win maybe 25, 25 games tops. And uh, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But, and I'm sorry. And you could say no, it's not an easier path. No, it's not. I don't care about Duke's path because I don't think anyone could beat him anyway. But to say that it's not easier to play, um, you know, the likes of, like I said. The likes of UCF, Utah State, uh, Minnesota, Seton Hall, uh, Oklahoma, Arizona State, than it is to play the likes of Nevada, Virginia Tech, Maryland, Wisconsin, Marquette, Auburn, Louisville. You're crazy. You're crazy. And that's the path that Gonzaga gets every year. And usually they blow it. Two times they haven't. Every other time they've blown it in the in uh, day two. So congrats. Good good luck with them. Pause on the Zags losing to St. Mary's. Yeah, um, this was really telling, I think, um, of any of the teams that are up sort of for that number one seed or, you know, can potentially get a number one seed. This Gonzaga team has by far the worst loss of them. Um, this loss to St. Mary's is an inexplic- inexplicable loss. Uh, there's no way that they should have wa- uh, lost this game. When you look at Gonzaga and you look at the teams they've played this year, they've played three teams that have top 10 talent. They played Duke when Barrett wasn't completely feeling great. And also it was whatever game four of the regular season. Reddish, sorry. And one, they played Tennessee. They lost a close game. They played North Carolina, got their balls chopped off by North Carolina. They played three, three top 10 teams They are one with an asterisk and two. They are about the eighth or ninth best team in the country. Look, I, I I don't want to tell you that they're, they're not good. They're, they're not this, they're not that, but they are completely undeserving of number one seed. They should not be on the number one seed line at all. If I am going to be a number two seed, I am praying that the committee sends me out West um, because that's the, the easiest path to the final four and I will guarantee it here on the show. We'll come up with a little side wager, whatever, some fun thing to do if it doesn't end up happening. But I guarantee you that Gonzaga does not make it past the first weekend of the tournament. They are not in the tournament come Sunday evening, just assuming if in, in case they play Friday, Sunday instead of Thursday, Saturday. But I will guarantee it here on the show that Gonzaga is not in the tournament come Monday morning at 7 a.m. Gonzaga is no longer a part of the NCAA tournament. Hell yeah, pause. Pump me up, dude. What if the big man returns? Because they say that is possible. Any change then? I don't care. No, I don't, don't care. care. Okay. Good. Fuck Gonzaga. I hate Gonzaga. Fuck him. I'm with you. Let's go. 
Northeastern beats Hofstra, 82-74, seals themselves a bid in. Uh, I'm going to guess they're probably one of the 16 seeds. So, I mean, 23 and 10. Let's see. He has them as a 13 seed. Good luck with that, whoever they're playing in a 13 seed. At 23 and 10, they're getting a 13 seed. Oh, my God. There's no – that can't be right. Uh, I'll take whoever they're playing because they're – come on, stop it. Uh, they go – they have four losses in the CAA, my friends, and they get a 13 seed. Whew. Fairly Dickinson uh, wins by nine to seal themselves in and let me guess they're a 16 they are they're in the playing game what else is no they get blown blown out as always northern kentucky beats wright state for their automatic bid in by 11 northern kentucky is a 14 seed right now how 26 and 8 five losses in the horizon and you get a 14 lenardi's he must be drunk doing this shit uh, the guy on CBS has him at a 14 too. Like how though, dude? I, I'm telling. Like, you, wouldn't you put like a bottom? The bottom teams in the in the tournament this year are awful. The bubble is terrible. These teams are so like you can you can be a 10 loss team from the CAA or wherever, and you're gonna be fine getting like the teams that are playing in the playing game are teams that have, like, borderline losing records. That's how bad, like, the the 16 seeds are this season. That's embarrassing. Uh, And then the last one, North Dakota State takes out Omaha by 10 to seal their seed. They are currently a 16. Um, I watched this game. The the one kid, uh, I I think they said Shahid. Is that how they say it? Shahid or Shahid, but it's spelled Shahid. Uh, he was just on fire, and, and Omaha uh, big man got three fouls early, basically sat the basically the whole game, and that, that was a game-changer for them. So uh, they go in as a 16. Anything on any of those kind of mid-majors, pause, getting in, anything you want to touch on, or did you watch any or whatever? Yeah, so I actually I, I like to watch the mid-major uh, finals. I don't really get to see much of the tournaments just because – a lot of times the games are on, you know, during market hours and, you know, in the afternoons and stuff. But I like to watch the finals just because, you know, look, these kids know that they if they don't win this, this game, they're not making it to the NCAA tournament. So you usually see everybody playing at 120%, you know, hustling for ball, diving around the court. There's usually some erratic play in the beginning because everyone's so nervous and, and things like that. So they're just fun games to watch. Uh, so I've, I've seen a portion of every single – uh, one of these games, I just I don't think any of the teams that we mentioned just there are are up to the the standards of pulling an upset against a you know a three seed or a four seed whatever what might ha- you, you know where they might might have them. I mean the you know the potential four seeds are you know teams like Kansas State and teams like uh, who else is on that four line? Um, I'm just trying to think of the 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 bracket um like with kansas and kansas and florida state, state yeah florida state so yeah like as, yeah as much as like i don't love those teams these mid-majors i don't know they're gonna have to like shoot lights out and and hope that you know the the other side of it goes completely cold from the field i, I just don't see there being many i don't see there being many like 13 14 seeds winning this season. I mean, not that there's ever many of them, but like 
I wouldn't be surprised if 13, 14 seeds go 0 and 8 this season and, you know, lose by a combined or like an average of, you know, 20 points in each matchup because I, I just don't think there's much there from the, the mid majors this year or the, not even these aren't even. I don't even consider these more mid majors. They're more like low low majors. I don't. I don't really yeah. consider much from them this season. All right. Um, games of note from yesterday that uh, definitely have some, um, you know, derm- determination on the bracket. Clemson loses to NC State by one. Uh, this was basically a win and you're in type of thing. Uh, Clemson had a 19-point lead at one point in time, uh, went into halftime at 16, and could not hold on. Uh, I was on this game as Clemson team. I, I know I've been touting them to you guys for weeks. Of course, as uh, as always, I've been touting you guys for four weeks. They've covered out all the spreads, and then when I get on them, they don't. Neither here nor there. Um, they basically played the second half like they were going to coast to kind of a victory, just get out of there, uh, less fatigued, not put in a lot of effort, and then come out and face uh, Virginia with a, you know, A effort uh, or A energy instead of like, a, you know, a C-plus energy. And NC State just wasn't having it and just really just uh, shot crazy. I would say that the refereeing in this game was w- one of the worst over referee games I've seen overall uh, in a long, long time. Uh, not just because I was on it. It was completely an NC State's favor in the first half. In the second half, there was stuff both ways that was just absolutely terrible. Uh, a touch, they'd let everybody bang and just destroy each other. Didn't call anything. And then the second half, if you touched a guy's string, it was called. But then the next time you touched a string, it wasn't called. It was just awful all around. The Clemson coach did actually make a couple comments about it at the uh, his press conference. And NC State guy said he was thankful and he was going to have an extra two scoops of ice cream. So, Obviously pretty noticeable by both coaches also, but uh, I mean, for a guy like a veteran like Valentine was supposed to be the best college basketball referee in the game to have this kind of performance with his uh, crew, pretty embarrassing all around. But uh, neither here nor there. Uh, going forward, this boots Clemson out. Uh, they're definitely out. They, have, they can't get in now. And um, this should boost NC State to at least the first four in, maybe a playing game, and uh, you know maybe depending on they are they lost today to Virginia. Uh, let's see, we'll get to that, but they lost pretty handily, so uh, they're gonna be one of the teams that's sweating come Sunday. Pause on this one. Yeah, I mean you you kind of hit all the points on the head. Clemson came out in the second half like they thought they were just going to be able to coast to a victory, even if it was, you know, a a five-point victory or whatever. They were up by 19 at one point. It just went completely south for them. They they were jacking up threes from everywhere. They didn't try to use their their advantage inside at all. Um, It didn't help that their big man, Thomas, got into foul trouble. And, you know, obviously the refereeing, as you mentioned, wasn't too good, um, you know, to say the least. But, uh, yeah, I think Clemson kind of got screwed a little bit there at the end, especially with that, with what they weren't calling earlier in the game and stuff, and then they make that foul call at the end. I don't know, man. That's that's really rough. If I was the Clemson coach, I probably would have uh, I would have gotten fined at least ten grand and completely went off on the referees after the game is over. That was an absolutely pitiful display of, of, uh, of officiating 
And I, I don't know how a lot of these, I've been saying it since the start of this, since we started this show. I don't know how a lot of these referees in, in all sports, I don't know how they have jobs. I, I don't understand it. There is just some, there is just awful calls made on a constant basis with, um, you know, with, with, in all aspects of the game in every single sport. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how you miss a call when you're standing right behind it and you see that there's no contact against the guy's arms or against his body and he's falling away because he, because he, um, you know, he's falling away because that's the angle that he wants to take for the basket and you're going to, you're going to call a foul on it. How many times did, did Clemson players like slip on their own and they, they called fouls when the Clemson players were, you know, six inches away from them and, and didn't do anything to, um, you know, to, to make them trip. I, I don't know. I don't understand how you missed them. I really don't. Yeah, it was just, uh, I only asked for his consistency and it was not, it was, there was no consistency at all. And it was just, uh, you just didn't know. I, and that, that's the hardest part is you just don't know what, what is, what isn't. And, uh, you know, that's what a lot of things coaches always say. Like if, if we're going to get called a lot of things banging inside, I just want to know, or if we're going to get a lot of touch fouls, I just want to know, but to be not consistent is, is, uh, is bad. And that was really, really bad. Uh, a couple teams here, or a couple games that nothing to secure something, but uh, definitely things in no Colorado looking to play themselves in in the Pac-12 at 20 and 11 and 10 and 8 in the Pac-12 beats Cal by five. Norfolk State also looking to try and play themselves into the last four in uh, at 20 and 12 and 14 and two in the conference wins by five in the quarters. That Colorado game was the first round. Lamar looking to play themselves in 20 and 12, 12 and six beat Houston Baptist by only two. That was their first round game. Uh, Louisville, not so much on the outside looking in, but just trying to right their ship a tiny bit. Um, beats Notre Dame by 22 and looks like Lenardi slid them up to, I just saw them, were they a seven? Slid them up to a seven. Yeah, slid them up to a seven. They were at eight going in, so improved their seed by one. We'll get to what they did today. Uh, TCU was on the last four out, beats Oklahoma State by three, had a monster lead, 16 in the first half. I believe the guy said on the telecast it was 21 at one point. They almost let their entire lead go back and only win by three on a game-winning three against Oklahoma State. Uh, the you know comeback from Oklahoma State or their last shot or try to attempt to tie it up did faltered. So TCU ends up hitting what you know you call it most sports a game winner, but if there's a play after one in college basketball, they don't call it a game winner. So uh, who knows? I mean, just got some uh, again. Here's a consistency thing. Anyway. TCU, Lenardi now has them as the first four buys, so or last four buys. So they wore themselves in from the last four out to the last four buys. Big win for TCU. Louisiana Tech also trying to play themselves in 20-12, and 9-9 Conference USA, beats Florida Atlantic by one. Colgate uh, wins by 14 in the Patriot League final. Uh, Bucknell, like a, a real mainstay in March Madness for a long, long time. Colgate has really spun that around on them. Uh, I can't think of the coach's name, but he's really done a great job over there and kind of just taken over the uh, uh, Patriot League now. Uh, Jordan Burns with 35-2-6. I don't care who you're playing. That's pretty freaking impressive. 
UAB trying to work themselves in also in a bad conference. USA beats Middle Tennessee. They're 19, 13, 10, and 8 by 9. Uh, not important, not important, not important, not important, not important. Syracuse, Syracuse, where's Syracuse at, Paz? Are they they're currently in or? Yeah, they're currently with that win. Uh, okay, so they're, they're at they're nine. Currently. Yeah, okay, so yeah. I'm not sure where they were before, but Syracuse beats Pitt by 14 uh, without their, in my opinion, their best player in battle. Uh, didn't see if he's playing tonight. Doesn't matter. Zion will probably posterize him. But uh, Syracuse kind of, I don't know if they'd be on the fringe. 2012, 10 and 8. I mean, shit, with some of the teams that people are talking about should be in over, you know, likes of Syracuse, like Gonzaga. Uh, Syracuse probably has a better resume than Gonzaga. But anyway, neither here nor there. They, he's got Syracuse as a 9 now. St. John's in a must win to right their ship. They were in the last four in now have moved themselves into the last four buys with a eight-point win over DePaul. It's a big one for them. North Texas trying to work their way in. In the first-round game, 21-11-8-10 in the bad conference USA. Beats Florida National by 14. Uh, Oklahoma. Where Oklahoma, are we looking? Okay, Oklahoma's a 10. So Oklahoma needed this win to secure themselves. They move up a spot, put themselves in the tournament. Paz and I talked about them on the Monday show being on the first four out. Uh, we said we wouldn't be talking about them on Thursday. West Virginia with these walk-ons somehow beats Oklahoma by one point. I did not see this till this just this moment. Honestly, I didn't even think about checking this. I should have known earlier when you texted me West Virginia was playing earlier. Holy shit. Uh, you would have to think Oklahoma's out now. Somehow Lenardi moves them from last four into – a 10 seed? Are you seeing the same pause? What did your yeah. CBS sports guy have? Yes. Yeah, how's that, how is that possible? Also. How, do I they, how, do yeah, they improve, how do they improve off of a loss to a 13-19 team with three walk-ons? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think – I think Oklahoma is going to be one that they get wrong. I don't think Oklahoma is making the tournament. I really don't. They should not because the Big 12 is bad, and that's a, that's an awful, awful loss. Um I'm not, okay, I'm not sure. Did you, did, you, uh, did you take a look at what West Virginia is doing right now by any chance? No, I'm going to get to now, now, but holy shit. Okay. Uh, all right, and then last but not least, Oregon, who's trying to play their way in in a, a really bad Pac-12, beats Washington State by 33. Uh, so they still are alive and kicking. Moving us to today. I'm going to go scroll right down the finals. I don't want to see anything that's going on right now. To today, of importance, whenever it wants to refresh, it would be wonderful for all of us. All right. Do-do-do. Anytime now. What do you all want? Right. What do you want to touch on? You, it's just not. It's just, like, not loading for me at all. I was just going through the finals. All right, so let's see. It, it has me at – okay, I'm good now. All right. Okay. Uh, Akron, Buffalo. I mean, look, if, if Buffalo can't win this conference, uh, I'm, I'm speechless, really, honestly. That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, like, it's embarrassing. But they, they win by almost 40. Uh, Rhode Island, LaSalle. 
I'm not going to mention that one. Not really important. Okay, Nova Providence. This one kind of has some importance. Providence was trying to play their way in. Um, just like Xavier kind of went on a late run, had some nice end-of-season closing wins. Uh, they get beat by Nova by 11, in which was a – it was a three to five point game. I was on the treadmill. It was a three to five point game till late. I want to say there's about three minutes left when it started to change, but that it was a super close game worth watching at the end. Uh, is Providence out now? Pause. Looks like it, right? Yeah, they're out. All right. So Providence with that loss, definitely out. Nova moves on. And as we mentioned earlier, it looks like they're a six seed currently. Iowa State, another team trying to write a ship against a Baylor team. Um, that was trying to play themselves in. Uh, Baylor does not deserve to be in after this loss. They get beat by an Iowa State team who's the roller coaster of all roller coasters by 17. And Iowa State right now moves themselves into a seven seed. I don't think with a loss they would have knocked themselves out, but uh, this definitely knocks Baylor out of contention and keeps Iowa State in one of the higher seeds. Pause, you agree? Um, yeah, I think Iowa State will probably slot into that seven or eight line, obviously depending on where they go from here. If they, I think their ceiling is probably a seven, even if they go on and win the Big 12. But, uh, yeah, I think they're on that seven or eight line no matter what. And Baylor, I don't know. I mean, I think Baylor's got a shot to get in. I really do. Um, no, I know they, have they don't deserve losses, to be in. But, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think they have a shot man. to get in. I really do. Oh, wow. Really the, the Lenardi has him as an eight right now. Oh, really? I think All the way at the, the top, right under, right under Gonzaga. Yeah, I think oh, the guy God. at CBS had him as a nine before. They, today. Don't deserve, they don't deserve to be in there. The Big 12 stinks. Whatever. I'll take, I'll take a win against them and three points. Uh, NC State, like, see, NC State deserves to be a bit over Baylor. Oh, my God, that's terrible. NC State, who was at next route on Monday – uh, beats the uh, beats Clemson as we mentioned moves themselves to uh, last four in loses to Virginia by 20 so another team that's just going to be sitting there sweating hoping that um, they get one of those last four ins they definitely deserve to be an over Baylor though I mean we could uh, we'll, this something we'll do on Sunday when we're comparing our things on that selection Sunday March Madness show but I I would have a tough time thinking that that Baylor deserves being over NC state, but we'll say um, Indiana, a team that now the debate can end for everybody. I mean, if Indiana gets in at this point, that is the biggest uh, crock of shit thus far. Uh, Ohio state beats them by four. They're 17 and 15 under 500 in the big 10. Um, the, uh, Lenardi has them as first four out there. They should just be out now. Like enough of this argument. That's enough. They had their shot here. They could have gone on a nice little run. They they didn't. And uh, bing bang boom, you're pregnant. That's it for them. Pause. Anything on those couple? Um, no, I just I agree with all your sentiments about uh, um, about the you know the games that you just spoke about. Not really right. much that. Uh, Montana beat Sacramento State in the Big Sky. They're 24 and eight, and first in the Sky Conference. Need to win their conference, Big Sky Conference tournament to get in. They do so. Continue to play. Um, in the quarterfinals, a big one for the MAC. Everybody's kind of jumbling together. A 23 and 10 Central Michigan team beats a 22 and 10 Kent State team by eight. Central Michigan continues their shot at the dance. Xavier. 
A team who has now won 12 straight ga- or 11 straight games beats Creighton by two. This was a great game back and forth. I watched the entire second half of this one after Maryland shit themselves on pause, so I tuned into this one. Uh, watched from about the nine-and-a-half-minute mark in the second half all the way down. Great game. Uh, Xavier hits a big shot with minimal time left, and um, it was super low. I want to say they maybe had three seconds. How much did it? Yep, I uh, made a tip shot with 22. Creighton ran it down and uh, missed a three with three. So uh, Xavier moves on, and, I mean, look, they're probably going to have to win the Big East to get in. But uh, tough to deny a team who's come on this strong in the second half. And I always say, man, it's so hard to count Xavier out because I feel like they do this every single year. They go on this long-ass run, and you're just like, what am I supposed to do with this team? And then they knock off a few, or they have, like, an injury or two and somehow, like, overcome them. Um, I don't know. Pretty crazy. Anything on uh, those couple pause? No. You can continue. All right. TCU, Kansas State. Kansas State knocks off TCU without Wade. Uh, This, to me, should also knock out TCU. Uh, There's no way that TCU and Baylor should both get an entry in. Kansas State's down their best player. This TCU offense continues to struggle. This was a free, wide-open barn door for TCU to run through and get themselves a staple win, just a staple win that people say, okay, they beat Kansas State. People forget it was Wade or not. All they need to do is win this basketball game. They're, They're a lock in. Uh, Lenardi has in the last four buys. That's friggin' ridiculous to me. TCU, Baylor, both should be out. And unfortunately, somehow when they lose by nine here, maybe when it's updated tomorrow, it looks like he didn't update today, March 13th. Yeah, so uh, maybe we find out Sunday or maybe he bumps them down, but they don't deserve to be in. This is a wide-open barn door, another team that just cannot close the door uh, in, a, in a freebie they get gifted. Pause on your team, your squad, K-State and TCU. Yeah, um, I think this was a good game for K-State. I watched some of it, um, and they played really well. I mean, they I think they had four guys that scored over 10 points, and then they had two other guys that scored eight points. So they had six players scoring over eight points in the game. It was, you know, the, it was the senior show. Brown was a little inefficient, but had a good game. Sneed was really good. Um, yeah, they it looked like they didn't even miss a beat with, with Wade being out. I don't know. I don't know exactly who they're going to play next. Um, as the number one seed, they'll probably get, I think Kansas was the three, so they'll probably get the winner of, I think they're going to get Iowa State next. So I think they're playing Iowa State in the in the semis. Um, so, yeah, look, I, they don't have to win that at all. Like I said, I think they're kind of, I think Kansas State is one of those teams that's sort of locked into to where they are and aren't going to move up or down based on how they how they perform in their conference tournament. I think they're just on that four line, and, and that's where they're going to stay. They'll they'll be a four in the south and, uh, you know, go from there, or maybe the Midwest. But, yeah, I think they're going to be on the four line. All right. I'm going to start getting quick with this. Uh, Washington, an awful Pac-12, barely gets by USC by three. They'll probably get a bit anyway. They don't deserve it unless they win the conference tournament. But, you know, you got to line these, these conference directors' pockets, so they'll get it anyway. Nevada down to a Boise team by five at halftime. Another team that's overrated ends up coming back, wins by eight in the quarters. That Washington game was also in the quarterfinals. Uh, doesn't matter. 
Florida State beats Virginia Tech in OT. Not much meaning. Both Virginia Tech and Florida State are getting in, but Florida State keeps dancing. Can it has a chance to improve their seed. Maryland loses to a Nebraska team by eight. They just did not show up in this game. They turned the ball over a ton. They had three open layups in the first half where they were driving down the lane. The guy either knocked it off his kneecap or whatever. Fernando didn't have his first point, so I want to say there was like 4.30 left in the first half, even though he's pulling down boards. Uh, Nebraska's big man goes out in the second half super early with four fouls, and there was like 12 and a half minutes left, and then they just continue to launch the threes and do not go and pound the ball inside. Bad loss for Maryland. They'll still get into the tournament in a very tough conference. They're currently a five seed. Maybe they drop to a seven. Uh, Nebraska still trying to have their opportunity to try and take down a very tough Big Ten um, and, you know, slide their way into the tournament and steal it from somebody else. It's going to be a really tough road. Um, eh, Auburn by 10 doesn't really mean all that much here. No. 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 Yeah. Colorado, uh, after that three game win or three point win the other night, wins by fifteen today. Uh now twenty and eleven, still tries to continue to fight their way in. That's also quarterfinals. Uh Lamar New Orleans, was that the championship? No, that was the semis today. Joe's yeah, doesn't matter, doesn't yeah. matter. Okay. Other games that are going on now. This is why I kind of did it now of importance. Uh, Louisville getting absolutely slapped by North Carolina down 15 with two and a half to go. That will set up a Duke North Carolina rematch tomorrow night after we blow Syracuse off the court tonight. Uh, and then when Duke beats them, Duke should claim number one seed and North Carolina should take Gonzaga's seed, but they won't. So Louisville looks like they'll hold somewhere around the seven, eight line. Very skeptical team going in. Wish they were higher, like a Four, five or something, so I could steal more points. Uh, what else going on? Marquette absolutely blowing out St. John's up by 30 right now. St. John's, Lenardi has as the last four buys after you lose by 30 to a team that you beat twice this year. Uh, and I, I don't know, man. Uh, St. John's going to be sweating. Alabama is beating Old Miss by three. That would be a huge win by Bama and to keep them rocking. Penn State, Minnesota tied at 59. Penn State on the uh, has no shot, probably. Minnesota needs the win. West Virginia beating a overrated Texas Tech team by seven. That would be important. If West Virginia is to somehow keep kicking in that bad conference tournament, Texas Tech would only falter their seed, wouldn't pump them out. That is pretty – that is it. Duke comes on. 9.30, don't miss – Zion posterize a whole bunch of Syracuse dudes and then dunk over a whole bunch of guys from North Carolina tomorrow. Do not forget. Going to repeat it one more time. We are going to be on Sunday night, March 17th, from 5.30 to 7.30. We're going to do a selection Sunday March Madness special show. Going to do a little bit of a recap from 5.30 to 6 about the conference tournaments, our thoughts on who should be seated where type of thing. Going to have live instant reaction for the rest of the show from 6 to 7. And thoughts that we didn't get to instant react on from 7 to 7.30. And then on Wednesday, we're going to have a bracket breakdown special show. We're going to each give out our individual bracket. 
and then we're going to do an uncut uh, sports bracket together, uncut sports talk bracket together. That will be on Wednesday, uh, March 20th, and hopefully our regular time, 8 to 10. should be back by that time. Maybe we pulled up a little bit earlier because, you know, Thursday starts the vacation. All right? Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to our guest callers. That's going to wrap up our March 14th, 2019 show. This is episode 40. You give us a follow. Uncut Sports Talk, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All these uh, live radio shows are ripped into podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, iTunes Podcast, and as always on Blog Talk Radio. From your host, Rhino, and your host, Paz, we thank you for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. 5.30, 7.30, Selection Sunday, March Madness Special Show. Let's go! <laughs>